Up World. It's your past first point guard and trailblazer reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube now. We've been on YouTube for two months-ish. We're trying to get to 2,000 subscribers by 2022. We're up at 1,400 subscribers. We need 600 of you listeners right now to go to the YouTube channel and subscribe. So if you haven't subscribed yet, if you're a podcast listener, go to YouTube, search Lockdown Blazers, and smash that subscribe button. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you, and I appreciate you. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Get uh, we, we post a new episode every day of the week. It's free. It's free in the only Daily Trailblazers podcast, so get on board, join us, and uh, stay abreast of what's going on with a messy, messy basketball team. They got a lot of drama, and that's what we want to talk about today is, oh, so much drama. One day after firing Neil Olshay, the post-Olshay era begins with Joe Cronin, the new uh, Blazers general manager, sitting courtside. Uh, Neil hasn't sat at... uh, uh, he hasn't been like it publicly at, on the court at any of the games. He's been back in his office somewhere in the arena. But Joe Cronin's out there. He's got the new job. He's sitting courtside. And what does he get to see? He gets to see the Blazers get shellacked. 145-117. A straight-up embarrassing loss to the to the Boston Celtics. Blazers were super shorthanded in this one, for sure. No, no Damon Lillard. No Anthony Simons. No Nazir Little. And yet... It didn't matter because they got rolled. They got rolled. Um, you know, it's it, it matters because you're better with better players, but the the Celtics are missing two starters too and Jalen Brown and Al Horford. And they dropped 145 the most points any opponent had ever scored in the Moda Center. This was an embarrassing game following a 31-point loss to the San Antonio Spurs on Thursday. The Blazers are just a not a competitive basketball team. Let's let's talk about the game a little bit, but first let's go fastest recap in the West like we do with this time. Blazers lose 145-117, and things got out of hand in a hurry. The Blazers were down as many as 21 points in the first quarter, down 19, seven minutes into the game. Uh, the, the Celtics went a stretch of over eight minutes, about eight minutes and 15 seconds, without missing a shot in the first quarter. Zero resistance from the Portland Trail Blazers, and it didn't get, it got a little bit better, but not a whole lot. Like, the Blazers crawled back second quarter they they really like kind of found something that worked they they pulled as close as one and they were only down six at halftime looked like they'd be competitive in fact I joked like I, I sent out a tweet like this team is is just a disaster and then I was like well if you're gonna be wrong you might as well be wrong as a hater because people can make fun of you and enjoy their team winning turns out I wasn't wrong because the because thir- the second quarter happened Blazers only down six at halftime but they give up 39 points in the third quarter including 18 to Jason Tatum and find themselves down 19 after three and it was not competitive after that. They let go of the rope. They they basically just quit. They were not competitive. And it was, it was not a basketball game after that. In fact, we got six full minutes, five minutes and 51 seconds of garbage time where the Blazers emptied their bench, put in Trendon Watford and Kelgen Blevins and Greg Brown Jr. and CJ Ellaby to just close it out in a game that was over. A game that was just done. There was no point in still trying, no still point in still playing. And the Celtics clown the Blazers off their own damn floor. In the final four minutes, Peyton Pritchard, Portland's own, Westland High School's own, uh, someone who I covered all four years of high school, maybe three, and then I switched to the Blazers beat, but a lot. Many, many of Peyton Pritchard's high school years. Four-time state champion. Shout out to P- Fast PP. Um, he hit three straight threes. And the Celtics bench is going nuts. It's under four minutes left in a blowout. He puts him up 31 with his third three, and the Celtics bench is going nuts. They're laying, uh, Dennis Schroeder's laying down on the floor. They're running all over the baseline. They're like acting out skits. They're just full on clowning and wiling out on the Blazers. Just, just 
punking them, punking them on their home floor. They get a tech for celebrating. And even then, after the tech with under a minute left, they get the ball back and Peyton Pritchard's still hunting his own shot and the bench is still going nuts and the, the stadium's into it too. There's a ton of Celtics fans. There's just like a bunch of native Oregonians who are rooting for PP and he gets a he gets a three up and misses. They get an offensive rebound, gets another three up and misses, gets a third three up on the same possession and Damian Lillard, who's been on the bench and, and um, with very limited engagement, I will say, this is probably the only time he pops up off the bench with any aggression all night, with any like real engagement in the game, to say, foul his ass. Like, do not let Peyton Pritchard shoot a 4-3. Do not let him disrespect you. Uh, Peyton Pritchard got the message, dribbled out the clock, and the game ended. And it was over, 145-117. That's your fastest recap in the West. But that those final minutes, that's an embarrassment. That is embarrassing for an NBA team. Like, there's no way to put it. The Blazers are a literal laughingstock. A team comes into their arena on the second night of a back-to-back when the Blazers have arrested advantage and drops 145 on them and clowns them off the court yuck yuck like what down 21 in the first quarter you make a game of it and then you come out in the second half just as flat and just as pathetic um i don't usually pick on effort in nba games like i i think it's i think it's an easy thing to say like sometimes you know you see see guys miss shots and you say is he even trying um, but the Blazers played flat. They didn't play with pride. They didn't play hard. Uh, Sean Billups after the game said that, um, you know, the team didn't play with pride. And and um, Ashrod Blakely of, uh, I'm not sure where he works now, but a reporter who, who covers the Boston Celtics uh, asked, like, is pride a coachable thing? And Billups said no. Uh, and like that pride is something you either have or you don't, and you can't like turn it on and off. It's like, it's, it's within the player to bring it. And I think there's something true to that. The responsibility of playing hard is on the players, right? Like the, the, the onus is on each of the gentlemen who are going to be on the court to show up to work and play hard. And, and, and if you're going to lose, cause the Blazers had a kind of a crappy roster, um, you know, Dennis Smith started, uh, it was CJ Dennis Smith, Norman Powell, Robert Cohen, Yusuf Nurkic. That's probably not a playoff team in the NBA. Like that's just not enough talent talent on the court um you know if like your first guys off the bench are Cody Zeller and Larry Nance like you just that's not, probably not a playoff team in the west right that's not a very good team but it doesn't mean like not playing flat not playing particularly hard at all um playing without pride that isn't about talent and I agree with Billups that the onus is on the players but um there is a responsibility of the coaching staff to get guys up if the compete level, and he talked about this after the Spurs game too, if the compete level is really low, if the, t- the team's just not competing at, a, like, there's a requisite level of competitiveness that you have to have, like a re- requisite level of effort you have to have to be competitive in the NBA. If you're not bringing that, the onus is on the coaching staff to kind of figure out how to how to get that out of guys. Like, that's that's the, that's like the soft part of coaching, the, the sort of soft skills, the not X's and O's and subbing stuff, but the soft skills of coaching is getting guys to play hard. Um, I do think playing hard is a skill. Uh, I think it's like jump shooting. Some guys are born with it. Some guys aren't. Some guys have to think about it the way you have to think about your follow through. Some guys have to think about playing hard. But it doesn't mean you can't bring it. It's a thing you can, it's a thing you can do. You can develop and you can... You can say, okay, time to play. And the Blazers don't do that. This team plays flat. They are either unable to do what Chauncey Billups asks or increasingly looking like unwilling to do what Chauncey Billups asks. And this game was an embarrassment. It was supposed to be the beginning of a new era. And I think people put, maybe fans put too much into, oh, Neil Olshay's gone, they're going to play with a spark. I don't think the um, players paid as close attention to that. And I also think that it's pretty clear that one per, one front office move or one trade's not going to fix what's wrong with this team. This group looks rotten from the inside. They just look like they're a mess. And even the return of Damian Lord from from uh, this injury that's going to keep him out for another week, 
is that going to save a roster that looks like they do not particularly care? Uh, Yusuf Nurkic said after the game, uh, when I asked him about the pride thing, he said, you know, we're probably, we probably get along better off the floor than we do on it. That's a pretty damning take. I don't think he meant that as like an insult. He meant it as it's weird because like we don't have bad vibes. We just don't play very well together and we don't play together. Like we play selfishly, not covering for each other or not sharing the ball. Like on both ends, we don't play with pride. We don't play with heart, but it's not like we don't get along. The Blazers are the Blazers are literal laughing stock in their own gym. Just an embarrassing night. There's, you can't call it any other way. Uh, you know, you lose by 31 and then 28 in back-to-back home games against a not very good Spurs team and then a Celtics team missing two starters on the second night of a back-to-back. You don't need to win. You don't need to beat Boston for me to sit here. Like I'm not going to condemn them for any loss here. But I I know what I watched and I watched a team that wasn't in it that didn't care and increasingly looks like many nights they maybe don't care i am i am always slow to question effort but this is too obvious and right in front of you this is a team playing without heart and without pride and the end of that game we're getting clowned at the end by uh scrubs at the end of the game apologies Peyton Pritchard, but when they're getting ca- clowned by back half of the rotation guys at the end of the game and you let it happen um, I'm not like advocating violence and I don't know that Trent and Watford and CJ Ellaby and Greg Brown know the sort of rules of the league where you need to throw Peyton Bridget on the ground and commit a pretty hard foul and say, don't do that stuff. Um, I'm not condemning them for not knowing it. I'm condemning the whole situation that the Blazers starters, the Blazers rotation guys let that get there and that it isn't a thing that's just sort of ingrained in the way this team plays basketball culturally, that you don't get punked in your own arena, but instead the Blazers got punked. They got absolutely punked. What I want to talk about in the second segment is whose fault is this? And here's the here's the trick. You don't have to choose. It's everybody's fault. Let's unpack all the blame and share it where it belongs to be shared in the second segment. But first, let's talk about prize picks. It's the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, offering more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator. All the superstar players, all the end of the bench guys, and anything you want. Points, rebounds, assists. Um, it's its pretty simple. You pick between two and five players, and you just pick over-unders for the projections set by prize picks. You're not playing against experts. You're not playing against the field. You're just, it's you versus the projections. Uh, you can choose, I've played prize picks. I enjoy it. It's pretty fun. Um, like you just, you can choose whether you want to get all five of your selections right, or some of them two out of five and kind of choose the payout structure you want. How, how lucky are you feeling? You can do it every single night. They got deals like Taco Tuesday deals where they basically just give you a free win. And if you pick other one, some other ones, you can make some money. So why not check it out? Download their app or go visit their website, pricepicks.com. And use the promo code NBA. And you will get a 100% instant match on a deposit up to 100 bucks. So if you put in 100 bucks with the promo code NBA, you get $200. Simple as that. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use the promo code NBA or go to the app store and download that app today. That's prizepicks. It's daily fantasy made easy. Today's show is also brought to you by Direct TV Stream. It's the way to get your TV together. Uh, if you, listen, uh, if you are 
sort of in my age range as a middle mid range millennial, you probably got a lot of television subscriptions, and some of them are uh, you know borrowed logins from friends and family members and family members of friends and old neighbors and ex girlfriends and all these things. And so juggling between I want to watch this movie on this streaming service, and then I want to watch the game, and then I want to watch this television show that we're really into later on, you might be juggling between you know three four different accounts, two three different devices. You might have to go to another TV because it's logged in here but not there. DirecTV wants to get rid of that hassle, get rid of that uh, all that clutter and get your TV together. It's DirecTV Stream lets you get everything you want. That's your movies, that's your live sports, that's your favorite TV shows all in one spot. You don't have to buy new devices. You don't have to sign a contract. There's no annual contract. You just sign up. You get what you want. So get rid of that clutter. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right. So we talked about an embarrassing loss to the Celtics. Um, if you're a longtime listener to the program, you know that I usually don't come down super hard on the team. I, I am um, famously, famously balanced, perhaps to some people's frustration that I'm a little too balanced, that I that I um, will I'm willing to weigh both sides and I'm willing to say, hey, I was wrong about this thing. It actually turns this way. I don't feel wrong about this team. I've seen what I've seen and I've seen enough. They stink right now. It doesn't mean they're going to stink for the whole year. It doesn't mean that a trade can't make them less stinky. But right now, they stink. They're 11 and 13 and they stink. This is a bad basketball team. It's a bad basketball team with injuries. It's a bad basketball team missing their best player. But it's a bad basketball team nonetheless. And so when you get here, when when you've lost back-to-back games, um, on your home floor by a combined 59 points when you are as messy and as embarrassing and as, um, you know, unsavory as this group is like, they're not, they're not enjoyable. Um, as I'll say an unnamed media member asked me last night, can you imagine paying for this S? (laughs) And quite frankly, no, there were a bunch of Celtics fans in the building and Blazers fans should be, you know, if you paid a hundred and some dollars to go watch that Celtics game, the Blazers insulted you by the level of effort they put in. Uh, The old shape firing aside, whatever, like it's um, the sort of the quality of basketball to put on the court was embarrassing. So when you get to that, people want to, people want to point fingers. You want to blame somebody. And I think there is a tendency when we do this in kind of anything in the world is to say, I think this person deserves the blame and that person or that entity gets 100% of the blame. Or you say, well, I actually think it's the other side and I think this person or entity deserves the blame. And I'm here to tell you, you do not have to choose. That is not how this works. You do not have to have choose roster, front office, coaching staff. That's silly. And if you see people insisting that you must choose roster construction and Neil Olshay's building a crappy roster or Chauncey Billups's coaching or Robert Covington's crappy offensive season, like if you if you are supposed to, if they if someone is asking you to choose, they are just being um, bull, bullheaded for no reason. You just you do not have to do that. Um, it doesn't even take nuance to understand that blame should be parsed out broadly in this situation. So let us hand out the, brain, the blame broadly. This is Neil Olshay's fault. 
he built a roster that does not have enough length, enough athleticism, and enough size to complement its best player, Damian Lillard. This is Neil Olshay's fault for holding on to CJ McCollum since 2018 when it was pretty clear it was time to move on. This is this is uh, Neil Olshay's fault for when, when Damian Lillard put up 55-10, and 10, a damn near perfect offensive night in the playoffs, and they still lost to say, eh, we're still pretty close. To say that Larry Nance was the thing that was going to push them over the top. I think Larry Nance is pretty good. I think Norman Powell's pretty good. But the Blazers didn't need fun tweaks around the edges from a guy who's good at making tweaks around the edges. They needed an overhaul. This is Neil Olshay's fault. This is the fault of the players on the roster. When the game starts... The gentlemen who play have to play harder. I've said this a bunch. I've joked about this is sort of a long-running joke, both on this podcast and um, as I've covered the team. I used to, I used to, I have joked about this with Terry Stotts in the past. Is that when the game starts, all the coach does is decide who plays. Like you've already done all your coaching, all your preparation, and when after the ball is tipped, all you decide is who is on the court, and the guys who on the court will decide the rest. Um, he Stotts kind of agreed with me, although I think he found it somewhat insulting characterization of his job but but to some extent it's true and so the blame falls on the players because they don't they don't play hard every night and you don't know what you're going to get and there's some nights when they when you've seen it and they've come back like against the Chicago Bulls and you say that was, there was some real grit in that win you know this is a team that that um, didn't have it and then and then kind of found it and stuck with it and won a game that maybe they, they should have lost and then there's nights like Thursday and then there's nights like uh, Saturday when the team just just dogs it early makes it vaguely competitive in the middle of the game and then goes away quietly. They quit. They don't have pride. They don't play hard. They don't play hard from the beginning. They don't play hard till the end. That's on the players. And the blame falls on the coaching staff as well. Chauncey Billups, I I was of, of the belief that Chauncey Billups would be an upgrade. Um, if nothing else, because he'd be a fresh voice. And I was of the... Um, I was of the opinion that Chauncey Phillips' changes to um, the offense and the defense, particularly defensively, were worth a shot because the Blazers were really bad on defense last year. And and it's worth a scheme change to see if they can be better with a different style of defense. They're 30th in the league on defense as I record this on Sunday, December 5th. They're the worst defensive team in the league. The stylistic changes haven't worked. And some of the team not playing hard and not bringing it has to fall on Billups. Both a schematic issue where I'm not sure that the uh, an aggressive style of defense that this roster, not his fault, but it is what it is, is capable of playing it. And if you don't have the... If you don't have the uh, dudes to play the way you want to play, you might need to change it. That's the challenge of coaching. You, you are given the roster by the front office, and it's on you to if they don't, if it doesn't fit your plan, have a new plan or have a tweaked plan that fits better. I'm not sure Billups has like we're 24 games into this. Blazer 11-13, yeah, 24 games into this. Um, I don't think you can say that Chauncey Billups looks like he's good at this. I think you can say it's too early. I think you can say we don't know. And I think you can say there's some things outside of his control that are that would suggest that we don't know if he's going to be good or not. But I don't think you can make the case that he's been good. The The players look like they don't want to, they don't want to play hard for him or they don't think his system is worth running correctly or they're incapable of running it. Like, take your pick there. None of it is particularly, looks particularly good for the Blazers head coach. The blame falls on Billups. The blame falls on his staff. You do not have to choose. You can say bad roster construction, players playing like crap, bad coaching. You can call it, you, 
It doesn't take nuance to realize that everyone involved deserves the blame. You do not have to choose. People telling you that you need to point the finger at these people, it's this, it's this person's fault, are just... <laughs> they are just lying to themselves. So it's, it's, it is a nonsense approach. And I'm really talking to like... I was waiting around for a ride home last night after the game and I was reading a bunch of dumb takes on Twitter. So I'm really talking to like Twitter people, which is not real life. But like, um, you don't have to pick. You don't have to pick. It's all been bad. The players have been bad. The, the roster was built poorly and it's been coached poorly. All of it's true. All of it is true. Uh, you know, you, you run a defense that doesn't fit the, your your roster, that's a coaching problem. You have a roster that can't play the defense, that's a roster problem. The dudes on the on the court aren't playing particularly hard, that's a player's problem. That's everybody. So don't, you don't need to parse out the blame to one specific group. You can, uh, you can cast a broad net and say, it's all bad. It's all bad. That isn't even nuance. I'm asking for common sense in the blame. And the blame is everyone. So, not a rosy first 20 minutes of this podcast, but I want to keep it real with you. I want to be honest with you. How the hell did we get here? That's what I want to answer in the third segment. Um, Neil Olshay put the Blazers on this path. How did we end up here and kind of where does it go next? Before we answer those questions, let's talk about Bilt Bar. <laughs> Listen, the Blazers stink, but Bilt Bar is wonderful. Tastes great. Got a candy bar-like texture, covered in 100% chocolate, comes in a whole bunch of flavors, so there's something for everybody in your family. My personal favorites are peanut butter brownie and cookies and cream, but if you're into fruity flavors like strawberry and orange, you'll find those. If you're into super chocolate flavors like German chocolate or salted caramel, you'll find those. If you want some seasonal flavors all winter long, they're rolling out new flavors, so make sure you're checking built.com for something new and something fun. Whatever you like. They all pack a punch, 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, four to five grams of sugar, and no more than five grams of net carbs. All tasty, all healthy. Go get yourself some. Go to built.com right now and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. It's Basketball season's in full swing. We're entering the football playoffs and the college football bowl season, and there's more odds, more props, more lines than ever before. Plus, they got a new and updated website that's easy to access on your on your mobile device, or you can visit on your desktop. And while you're there, betting on football or betting on basketball or hockey or soccer or uh, you know any of the combat sports or even playing your favorite Vegas casino games, if you're making your first deposit, you can put in the promo code locked on and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. They will match your they will match your money up to 50% on that first deposit you make. And then you can bet on whatever, whenever, live betting on games as well. So it's not like you have to pick lines early on. You can check in the middle of the game. They got a live scoreboard and you can place bets as they happen. So go visit betonline.ag. Like I said, the fastest and easiest place to bet on all your sports. That's Bet Online, where the game begins. Still a pass for his point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked on Blazers. And we're still unpacking the embarrassing, messy, and kind of unfun Portland Trailblazers. Here's the thing I promise you. Locked on Blazers isn't going anywhere. I will sit in the mud with you. If you are listening to this, if you're, you're, you know, you're 25 minutes into the podcast, 
you're either a masochist and I appreciate you or or you're hoping for something, hoping for what's next and you're just you're a fan of the team and you want you want the news and you want to know what's next. But before we talk about what's next, let's talk about how we got here. Like let's let's like go in the way back machine and talk a little about how we got here because I said in Friday show uh, when Neil Olsha got fired uh, and I was literally just a live reaction. I I hit record 15 minutes after the news broke and kind of just unloaded the noggin, right? And I think in that I was maybe more favorable to Neil Olshay than many listeners wanted. They said, but people messaged me and said I was too too nice to him. But so I want to unpack like Neil's legacy a little bit here and then and like how we got how the Blazers got into this mess. Um, now we didn't get into this mess. We're we're here voluntarily. We ch- we're choosing to be here, but they're they're stuck in a in a difficult place, and it's because of the decisions that the in building this roster the way it's been built. Um, early in Neil Olshay's tenure, he was good at this, and you are lying to yourself if you do, if you say he wasn't. From 2012 to 2015, Neil Olshay was a just a good GM. It was just a good GM. He did a good job, and you can say like he should have drafted Giannis Antetokounmpo over uh, CJ McCollum. He sure should have, but he instead found a long-term NBA starter and a darn good player with the pick he had. Um, should have drafted Rudy Gobert too, but like you can do that with any, any pick at any level. Um, like when guys, you know, that's like Nikola Jokic went in the second round. Uh, most teams passed on Jokic twice and they shouldn't have. The Nuggets drafted Yusuf Nurkic first in that draft or traded for him first in that draft. Like, it's you can do that at any time but like in 2012 he inherits a team that's not particularly good they win 33 games he adds robin lopez they win 54 games um you know he drafts even if you don't give him credit for drafting damon lord he gets you know adds cj mccollum adds will barton to the roster um he, he builds a darn good team you know the, the Aaron Flalo trade didn't work out but at the time it was lauded as a really good move if what is if wesley matthews doesn't tear his achilles i think the blazers have a path to the western conference i think they were championship level good that year even if it was the beginning of the warriors dynasty i still think the blazers were championship level good um, with a healthy roster that year in 2015 the post lamarcus pivot was very good neil olshay probably should have won gm of the year that year they gave it to the spurs for for signing aldridge olshay had a claim to it the blazers won 44 games they added alfruk amino on it on a what turned out to be a really good value contract they added ed davis just a solid backup uh you know adding mo harkless who ended up being a like a, a solid contributor kind of rescuing him from looked like a guy who's maybe going to slip out of the league and turning him into like, Oh, this is a guy who can contribute at an NBA level. Um, you know, the trade for Mason Plumley, turning a, a late draft pick of Ronnie Hollis Jefferson into Pat Connaughton, NBA player found in the second round of Mason Plumley, is a, it was a good stuff. Like 2015 was, was a really impressive summer, but then you get into Neil's actual faults. They won 44 games. They were a low-level playoff team. He'd built something solid, and he was entering a year in 2016 with a whole bunch of cap space and kind of a clean slate to take a pretty good team and turn it into something else, and he had a horrific summer of 2016. Neil's shortcomings was mistaking good fortune for proof of concept. They were fortunate in 2015. He used it as proof of concepts. He went and got Evan Turner, gave him too much money. They matched on Alan Crabb. And whether that was a Paul Allen thing or a Neil Olshay thing, it's a Neil Olshay's tenure that, that you gave Alan Crabb $75 million. They signed Myers Leonard for $40 million bucks for absolutely no reason. There was He didn't have that kind of interest. They could have signed him five years for $20 million, literally, four years for $20 million, literally half the money. Um, and he wouldn't have had competitors. They signed Festus Azili that summer, a dude who literally never played a game for him. And they gave him O'Harkless $40 million, which turned out to be a totally, totally reasonable 
contract. But again, like big money to Harkless in the early part of that contract seemed like, eh, do other teams really want this type of thing? Neil, Neil told me uh, a couple years later, so who knows how real this is, but in hindsight, that the idea was that Alfru Kaminu and, and Mo Harkless and Myers Leonard would be trade bait. And that's why you give them $10 million a year because they're more tradable at that price. And they were more tradable at that price down the line. But while they were under the beginning of the long-term contracts, they were untradable and the team wasn't very good. In fact, they were so not good that in 2017, they had to pivot and Neil did what he does well, which is make bargain trades in the middle and flip out Mason Plumley to get Yusuf Nurkic in a draft pick. The thing he wanted was the draft pick. The thing he ended up with was a franchise-altering center, a guy who changed the direction of the franchise and has been really solid for him. Flawed and not perfect and like an above-average center in the league, but um, better than Mason Plumley and a solid get. Here's the problem yet again. I think... Um, in 2017, this is the most consequential consequential year, right? They were coming. They weren't very good, but they had three draft picks heading into the draft. Uh, they had snuck into the playoffs, and they were just kind of mediocre. It's a bad team with three draft picks and a franchise player on the roster. This was the year you need to get it right, and they got the 2017 draft totally wrong. Zach Collins getting hurt is kind of out of the control, but there's the names are out there: Donovan Mitchell and Bam Adebayo and OG Ananobi and John Collins. Like, there's a, just other better players you could have had. Again, I think nitpicking. The draft pick itself is maybe missing the point, but the larger point is, even if, even if like, I don't, I think it's some of the drafts just bad luck. You had to get that one right. He got it wrong. In 2018, I think, uh, the following summer, Neil Olshay had his be- maybe his best run as a GM. Seth Curry on a minimum deal coming off an injury or a low, a low, low money deal coming off an injury was great money, was a great, great signing. And uh, draft Amphrey Simons. Pretty good player and really good value for where you got him in the draft. Draft Gary Trent Jr., an NBA player you found in the second round. Something Neil's good at. Uh, signed Nick Stauskas in the opening four minutes of free agency, but ended up flipping Stauskas for Rodney Hood. You sign Ennis Cantor. You make the Western Conference Finals following the summer of 2018, the Western Conference Finals in 2019. And what did Neil do? He made the mistake of thinking that good fortune was proof of concept. And he gave CJ McCollum... $100 million in that offseason and a contract that has hamstrung the franchise from that point forward. There's been some other pivots. You know, um, I think the 2019 summer of, of when, after Nurk was injured, of signing Tolliver and Hazonia and Whiteside was just a nightmare. That roster sucked. Um, Covington for two first-round picks. At the time, I thought it was an okay deal. It's looking um, looking like you'd, you'd rather have just gotten one of those picks right than trade for Covington, but I don't think it's, to me, it's still not that big of a deal. Um, I think the Cantor and Mello thing last year was, you know, they were pretty good offensively, but it, it was like so clearly flawed and not going to work. And then this summer, you know, this was this was three years in a row, the 20, summer of 2019, the summer of 2020, and the summer of 2021, that you, instead of saying, we're so close, we made the Western Conference Finals three years ago, any, any of those summers was the chance to blow it up. And Neil was mistaking good fortune for proof of concept. His failings was failing to take the big swing. He was pretty good at crafting around the margins and building a competitive team. He was he was incapable and perhaps too stubborn due to his um, belief in his own drafting prowess to say to to get off his guys and move from there. And so now you have a of a team that is saddled with giant contracts to Damian Lillard, fine. CJ McCollum, not fine. Norman Powell kind of had to. 
and expiring contracts of Covington and Yusuf Nurkic, guys who I don't think are super tradable in terms of value. And and oh, the only young assets you have after having five first round draft picks since uh, 2017, five of your own draft picks since 2017, even with all the ones you trade away with Jess Amphrey Simons and Azir Little, two players with promise but aren't like certain stars by any means. Neil got him in this mess. And he got him in this mess by, again, mistaking good fortune for proof of concept and an unwillingness to ever take the big swing. And now the Blazers are saddled here. And what's here, and you've seen it the last couple nights, is they're not one trade away from being a good basketball team. They're in a position where there's a debate do they take one more shot at building around Dame and going forward over the next couple seasons, the next three three or so seasons? Or do they burn this thing down and start a rebuild? And that would also include potentially trading Damian Lillard. They're not one trade or one move away. They're not tweaks around the edges with Knights role players like Norman Powell and Larry Nance. Like, like for the last three summers, Neil Olshay has tried to convince us and himself and perhaps his colleagues in the building that they were there, and perhaps Damian Lord and his representation, that they were close. That's a lie. It was a farce. And for three, and after, like I said, I, overall, I think Neil was pretty fine because I think the first bit of his tenure was some legitimately good years and then some real screw-ups following the 20, summer of 2018, some real live screw-ups. It's just the truth. And now they're not one trade away. They're not one move away. They're not a CJ McCollum swap from being a contender. They're not a switch Nurk out or switch Rocco out from being a contender. They're a bad basketball team. They're not a competitive group. And they're a team that's broken on defense and has been broken on defense now under multiple coaching staffs. It's not scheme. It's not anything else. It's maybe players unable to connect with a new coaching staff, maybe a prior coaching staff that didn't connect with them either. And maybe... And players that are not skilled enough to play defense and a roster built poorly. It's everybody's fault. And it's a mess. And it's and it's it's where they are. <laughs> and I wish they weren't here. I wish there was more fun. Like I'm good, I'm good at the mess. Like I I'll I'll walk you through the mess. Like I said, I'm here in the mud. I'm here with you. Um and I'm happy to walk you through it. But like <laughs> it's more fun to talk about winning basketball. I just don't see that for them in the in the near future. And even when Dame gets back, like I, I still think they can end up somewhere like seventh, sixth, seventh in the West still. Still, because look at the Western Conference standings. Um, if they'll get there. But you can't talk themsel- yourself into this being a high-level competitive team if you just watch them play. And it's much easier to talk themselves into a truly bad team. Good luck. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What to t- Here's what I'll tell you. Come back tomorrow because the Blazers play the Clippers on Monday night. They play. This is a Monday show. It'll be it'll be in your feeds uh, Sunday, December fifth. But it, on Monday, December sixth, the Blazers play the Clippers at home. I will cover that game. I'll we'll talk about um, whatever fun stuff comes after that one. The Clippers are uh, mired in their own kind of slump a little bit. Like I said, check out the Western Conference standings. The Blazers are a mess, but they're not out of it by any means. Um, so. 
we'll, you know, we'll, this, this show is going to keep pressing on. We'll still have shows five days a week. We'll still do a mailbag. Uh, we'll try to get Jason quick on this, this week. He, he missed us last week because of the Olshay news, but we'll bring him back. Um, I've got, I'm hoping to get one more, uh, interview lined up, but it, it's probably going to be next week, not this coming week. So we'll still have five shows. It's still free wherever you get podcasts. It's still on YouTube where you should so- go to subscribe to the channel. Help us get to 2000 subscribers by 2022. This show is going to keep rolling on. Even if the Blazers are messy, um, I'm going to try to keep just bringing you the truth as I see it. Um, so feel free to, if you want to get involved in a mailbag or ask me a question at Mike G rich on Twitter, or the better place to find me is locked on blazers pod at gmail.com is the address locked on blazers pod at gmail.com. Tell your friends about this podcast, tell them to get it wherever they already get podcasts or on YouTube. Just search locked on blazers. You will find us waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.